Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. And when he emerges, I think he will intentionally emerge to say, I can witness. I was a witness to Jesus. I was here when he was alive, and I'm here now. And, you know, there'll be people that won't believe it if they saw it with their own two eyes. So I know there'll mm-hmm. be people that won't believe me saying this based on sure. a dream and scripture. You got that right. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I tell you, dear friends, I've been studying the charismatic movement a long time, and just when I think I have seen and heard it all and they couldn't possibly get any crazier. You know, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! (laughs) They totally redeem themselves. Um, I'm going to show you some clips from an interview that Chris Reed did with Steve Schultz. Now, Steve Schultz is the head of Elijah Streams uh, Ministries YouTube channel, and he's also on Rumble. But uh, at any rate, if Steve Schultz interviews the craziest of the crazies. Now, if there's anyone on the planet with less discernment than Sid Roth, it would have to be Steve Schultz because Steve Schultz regularly interviews Kat Kerr, who is just about as Looney Tunes nutty as they come, uh, so much so that she's even too loony for Sid Roth. If you're too loony for Sid Roth, you're Looney Tunes. I mean, like Daffy Duck Looney Tunes. But there's really nothing that any of his guests can say that he will not believe. I mean, it doesn't matter how crazy. Uh, he'll just, someone says, one of his guests will say something just absolutely off the wall, and he's like, hmm, hmm, you know, and he's really impressed by it. But at any rate, so he is interviewing in this program Chris Reed. Chris Reed is uh, back in 2021 replaced Rick Joyner as the head of Morningstar Ministries. Rick Joyner is the founder of Morningstar, and uh, Chris Reed came and, and basically replaced him. Rick Joyner passed the baton to Chris Reed. Now, Rick Joyner is a, a Looney Tunes false prophet in his own right. Uh, this is someone who, quote-unquote, restored Todd Bentley to the ministry. And uh, if you're restoring Todd Bentley to anything except the insane asylum, uh, then you probably need to be there yourself. But at any rate, Chris Reed is the new head of Morningstar Ministries, and he is a false prophet. I'm going to do some more videos on him because he's just outlandish. He's a complete con artist, by the way. But at any rate, uh, in this interview, he is uh, he is regaling Steve Schultz about his latest prophetic dream and vision and you will never believe who he says is still alive because i had probably one of the most vivid dreams i've ever had 
um, last weekend. Um, it was incredible. I was ministering in California, and I usually you know minister one weekend a month. But I had uh, a couple of prophetic dreams that night. But this one, I think, was really important for me to share. And that is, so in this dream, and I know it was, I know it was from the Lord. And, and, and I, you know. Okay, I want to pause it right here. Notice that he says he knows that this dream was from the Lord. So this is no ordinary dream that we all have every night. You know, these kooky kind of dreams that don't really make any sense. No, this is a prophetic dream. This is from God, and he knows it's from God. So this is rising to the same level as people in the Bible who had dreams from God, prophetic dreams. We're talking about people like Daniel. We're talking about people like Jacob. We're talking about people like Joseph, Old and New Testament Joseph. So this he is he is raising the roof here. This is from God. Okay, so I want you to hear what uh, this dream contains that he got from God. Now this is about this clip's going to be about four and a half minutes long. So just watch. People hear this thing. It might sound shocking at first. But just hear me out because I think there's a reason why I had this dream. In this dream, I am at the bottom of this rocky cliff, okay? And I have next to me a tour guide, hmm. which I believe to be the angel that is assigned to my life and ministry that has often helped me in ministering to people, ministering, praying for the oh. sick, calling out sicknesses and such. And he said, follow me. So we started walking up this cliff-like rocky mountain. There was not grass or greenery or anything. We start walking up. We get to the top, and we look down. And, and what was interesting, it seemed like it was only maybe about 30 feet down at the bottom of that rocky hill. And I noticed when I looked down, Steve, at the bottom of the rocky hill, there was a mouth of a cave open, mm. and there was an old man. I saw, you know, white hair. He had a long beard. And he was kneeled down, squatted down, building a campfire. And what I noticed about the campfire was, you know, if you get a really hot flame, it's blue, mm -hmm. you know. But um, that that just goes shows that just shows you that the fire is really hot. Well, the the flame was predominantly blue, not so oh. much orange and yellow. And so I asked the tour. I felt like somehow in the dream I could ask. The tour guide, which I believed, I believe to have been um, the angel that is in my life, and so I, I asked him. I said, "Who is this? Like, what are you showing me?" And he said, "Do you remember when our Lord spoke of the disciple whom He loved?" And I said, "Yes, you know the Apostle John." Well. He then said, do you remember when our Lord said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 28, he said, there would be some standing there who would not taste of death till they saw the Son of Man come. And he said that phrase, do you remember when our Lord said, I said, hmm. yes. He said, so So I thought of that verse, There, will be, Jesus said to the crowd there in the book of Matthew, there would be some that would be standing there that would not taste of death till they saw the coming of the Son of Man. And then he said, do you remember when our Lord said to Peter in John chapter 21, when Peter was asking the Lord about how he would die? 
And the Lord told Peter, uh, this is what the angel said. The Lord told Peter that when he was old, when he was young, that, you know, he was able to dress and gird himself. But when he was old, uh, he would have to have somebody else help him. And it spoke of the manner of his death. And Okay, I got to interrupt here real quickly. Chris Reed says that uh, in John 21, Jesus was telling Peter, uh, Peter, when you are older, someone else will have to help you dress, basically help you dress yourself. No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Peter didn't need help getting his shoes on. Jesus told Peter, when you are old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and take you where you do not wish to go. He was prophesying Peter's future arrest and execution uh, for the glory of God. It was He was signifying by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. Peter didn't need help getting his britches on. I just, unbelievable. But anyway, um, back to Chris Reed. And then the scripture says in John 21, Peter asked the Lord because John was following him. And he said, what of this man? Speaking of the apostle John. And Jesus said, what is it to you if he live till I come? Now that's in your Bible. And I know a lot of people think it is there. Yeah, it is there. And so the next thing I noticed, I looked down and the old man that was kind of knelt down over the campfire looks up at me. And when he looked up at me, it was like the the blue fire that was burning from the campfire was in his eyes. It was like a a total reflection and his eyes were burning with blue uh, flame. And I asked this angel, I said, why is his eyes burning blue? He said, because this is about the love of God that he wrote about in his epistle. This is what will happen when the love of God burns in your heart. It will transform you. So I'm sitting here thinking Jesus's words were clear. There would be some that wouldn't die till Jesus came that were standing there, you know, when Jesus was on earth. All righty then. So the apostle John is still alive and not just alive in heaven, mind you. Oh, no, no, no. He is still alive right now on good old planet Earth. This terrestrial ball, this third rock from the sun, the Apostle John is still alive on Earth. Unbelievable. I mean, just unbelievable. Now, he appeals to two primary texts, and I want us to quickly look at these. Uh, The first one is Matthew 16, and this is when Jesus is speaking to his disciples right before the transfiguration, and he says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay each one according to his deeds. Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. All right, so based upon that, Chris reads in his prophetic dream, uh, Chris Reed says that John is one of those who has not tasted death because uh, Christ has not yet come back and set up his kingdom, which in and of itself is true. Now, my eschatology, I'm premillennial. I believe that Jesus will have a an actual kingdom here on earth uh, in Israel and will be a literal kingdom for a literal 1,000 years. 
But at any rate, regardless of your eschatology, um, dear friends, I think the best way to take what Jesus said in verse 28, that some standing here, some here, will not taste death until they see the Son of Man, referring to himself, obviously, coming in his kingdom. This is a preview. It's a preview of his transfiguration, which would come just six days later that we would read about beginning in the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 17. Now, this word kingdom, basileia in the Greek, uh, it can refer to a literal physical kingdom. It can also, uh, another another way to render the word or another definition of the word, depending upon the context in which it's used, is splendor. Um, and I think probably both are in view here. Uh, I think the the most immediate context, Jesus was giving them a a little um, heads up about his upcoming transfiguration. You remember this in Matthew 17 when he was transfigured before them. Uh, Peter, James, and John were there. And uh, right before them, Jesus was transfigured. That, that pre-incarnate glory that he had with the Father from eternity past uh, was shown to Peter, James, and John. Of course, Moses on one side, Elijah on the other, and that um, that that veil of flesh that had covered his pre-incarnate glory uh, was peeled back some, and they saw Jesus transfigured before them. And so, I think that is what Jesus is saying: uh, You will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming. In his in my kingdom, but but really in my splendor, and that would happen just six days later. That having been said, I do think that this was just uh, partially fulfilled with the transfiguration, because I think inherent within this and that word basileia, uh, kingdom or splendor, I think both are in view, and I think that is looking forward. It is a foreshadowing of Jesus' second coming which obviously has not happened yet. Jesus will come in his full glory, in his second coming, and the disciples got a little foretaste of that, a little a little uh, preview of that in his transfiguration, Matthew 17, and that would come to, and that will come to a full fulfillment in his second coming when he sets up his earthly kingdom. So I think that is what is in view here. And, and you see the same kind of um, prophetic statements uh, in the sense of like an, uh, a, a, an already but not yet kind of fulfillment. For example, in Acts chapter 2, Peter's sermon, the day of Pentecost, and uh, the Holy Spirit descended. The church was born, of course, on that day, and these men began to speak in tongues. And Peter said, this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, and he quoted Joel's prophecy. Now, I think that was a partial fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. It was an already but not yet. I don't believe that Joel's prophecy was fully fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 because there are other elements of Acts chapter 2, more specifically Joel's prophecy, that that did transpire and come to fulfillment that day, but not all of them that day. There were elements of Joel's prophecy that quite clearly have not yet happened. Notice that verse 19, uh, it says, I will put wonders in the sky above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. 
Well, we clearly have not seen these things yet, right? We have not yet seen signs in the sky above or on the earth below. The sun has not been darkened. The moon has not been turned to blood. There's not been smoke and vapor and all those. Those kind of things will not be fulfilled uh, until the until the eschaton, until the last day. So even Joel's prophecy, it was partially fulfilled the day of Pentecost, but not completely fulfilled because clearly there are elements of his prophecy that have not yet transpired. So same thing with Jesus' statement in Matthew 16. They got a preview of his glory and coming kingdom with the transfiguration that happened just six days later, but the full fulfillment will not come to pass until his second coming. Now, back to Chris Reed. And Jesus said, what if he lit? What if John was to live until I come? Yeah. So let us turn our attention now to the other text, which Chris Reed cites as his support for his belief that the apostle John did not die in his life here on earth. John chapter 21, verse 20 through 23. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so, based upon those words from Jesus, Chris Reed says, that uh, very clearly Jesus wanted John to remain until he comes, and Jesus has not yet come back, so John must still remain alive and kicking uh, somewhere here on earth. But dear friends, that's not what Jesus was saying. Not at all. In fact, the very next verse clears this up quite nicely. Verse 23 Therefore, this saying went out among the brothers that this disciple, referring to John, would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? I mean, dear friends, how much more clear could the Bible be? Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. That wasn't the point of what Jesus was saying. Peter um, was jealous of John, and there was some friction there, and and Peter was asking Jesus, what about this man? And basically Jesus was saying, Peter, it's none of your business. Even if I want John to remain until I come back, it's none of your business. You mind to your own business. You follow me, and don't worry about other people. You follow me. That's the point that Jesus was making. It's just unbelievable to me. Back to Chris Reed. And and so then I, I after he had mentioned about why John's eyes are burning with the blue flame, I said, well, what does this mean? The angel said these words, Steve. He said, in my dream, he said, right before the coming of the Lord, the apostle John will emerge and help the church and teach the church in the world the full meaning of, of his book of Revelation that he got from the Lord. And I mean, I was blown away. I suddenly realized that, isn't it, and and, and think about this. You know, every one of the disciples, there's a record of their death, except for John. Okay, dear ones, that's not exactly true. The Bible only records for us the death of two 
of Jesus' disciples. Of course, Judas Iscariot, we all know, hung himself. Uh, and then uh, James, the brother of John, uh, we read in Acts chapter 12, was put to death by the sword. And then uh, none of the other apostles do we have a record, a biblical record anyway, of their deaths. Now, the apostle Paul's death is the most well-attested and seems to be the most consistent uh, as far as records we have from some of the early church fathers. And we can know with almost 100% certainty that the apostle Paul was beheaded. That's what um, that's the that's the overwhelming testimony of the early church fathers. But after you get past the apostle Paul to the other apostles, um, the the accounts are, are contradictory. Uh, we don't really know exactly how they were uh, executed. Peter, in all likelihood, was crucified upside down, but even that we don't know with one hundred percent certainty. But it probably was. But uh, for John, John was. Exiled on the island of Patmos, of course, from which he wrote the book of Revelation. And then, in all likelihood, John died of old age in what is now modern-day Turkey. So we don't have a, a record of John being executed. Uh, the absence of any testimony of him being uh, executed uh, leads us to believe that he just died of old age. But there's absolutely no reason at all on any level to think that the apostle John is still alive. Well, I'm telling you, I am convinced if I've ever been convinced of anything, Steve, I think there that the apostle John, somehow the Lord has graced him. You know, he caught up Elijah in a chariot of fire. Mm -hmm. Um, Elijah didn't die. We know that for a fact. We know Enoch didn't die. He was, he was taken up. And, and so the last words that he said to me was that he would emerge from the caves of Turkey. Really? He specifically Wait, that was, it, that, was in the, that was in the dream? In the dream. Yes, he said when he said the last phrase that he would emerge at, right before the return of the Lord um, to help the church and to help the world understand. Of course, he authored Revelation, remember, mm-hmm. that he would emerge from the caves of Turkey. Well, Name something people take with them to the beach. Turkey? The, f- <laughs> the first thing you buy in a supermarket. Uh, turkey. <laughs> a food often stuffed. Turkey. <laughs> right. I believe supernaturally the Lord has given him a grace, specifically him, to live unto the coming of the Lord so that his teaching, his revelation, his book of revelation, and his understanding of Jesus will emerge in this hour, okay? And he'll help the church understand our end-time purpose and the meaning of the book of Revelation. Because people have been fighting over it for years. Why not get the author to teach us what it really means and how this is all going to unfold? Yeah. Well, so now let me just ask ask you point blank, because you're obviously saying he didn't die. You're obviously saying there's a Pergamum, I think you said, is where the cave is, or Turkey? (laughs) Two weeks in Turkey. And uh... Which yeah, did you in say? the Just caves Turkey. of Turkey. Turkey. Okay. <laughs> I said to you, <laughs> name something people take with them to the beach. You said. <laughs> the answer was. <laughs> the first thing you buy in a supermarket. The answer was. <laughs> and, and the survey gave you. <laughs> Okay, Pergamon is where the where the devil has his 
throwing if I'm if I'm yeah. mixing, I don't want to mix that up. But um, if if he emerges, Chris, are you saying the Lord's saying not only even though he visits heaven and has been seen in heaven, he's going to emerge as a real man walking the face of the earth and going to be in some microphone someday in some church teaching? Is that what you're saying? Wouldn't that be something? I mean, you I know, a lot of people would listen. I want to, to be me. there. Wouldn't that be something, dear friends? Man, boy, it really would. If John were just to show up one day out of his cave in Turkey. Okay, a few a few thoughts here to wrap up. Okay, my, my, my logical mind says, what in the world has John been doing for the last 2,000 years in this cave in Turkey? I mean, what's he been doing? Playing Minesweeper? Canasta? I mean, what's he what's he been eating in this cave for two thousand years? Does he not come out of this cave to eat? What does he get? Uh, DoorDash? I mean, what what's he been doing for two thousand years? And why is he somehow exempt from um, the command that we see in Hebrews chapter ten not to forsake the assembling of ourselves? I mean, you want to talk about forsaking the assembly? Apparently, the guy's been in a cave for 2,000 years. I mean, what what a waste of 2,000 years. My goodness, this, this man, I mean, John, really, of all people. I mean, one of the apostles, one of the authors of Scripture, um, he's been in a cave for 2,000 years, not part of a local church. Yeah, so much for using your uh, spiritual gifts for the edification of the body. I mean, for two... He has he hasn't even taught Sunday school somewhere, so he's he's been forsaking the assembly for two thousand years. So he has been in habitual unrepentant sin because all Christians are commanded by our King to be part of a local body, so that we can worship and use our spiritual gifts and edify the body and grow in Christ and be sanctified and fulfill the Great Commission and all those wonderful things. Do all the one another's. Yeah, what about all the one another's in Scripture? John hadn't been doing any one another's for 2,000 years, apparently. Just unreal. And, by the way, uh, I, I learned this as part of my research and preparing this video for you. The belief that the Apostle John is still alive somewhere on earth, you know where that originates from? It's actually an LDS belief. Yeah, Church of Mormon. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is in their Doctrine and Covenants, Section 7. The Mormons believe that the Apostle John is still alive somewhere on uh, this good old planet Earth. So if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're repeating teachings from a cult, you might want to stop and, and do a little self-examination there, Chris. But uh, let's give Chris one, one last word here. And, you know, there'll be people that won't believe it if they saw it with their own two eyes. So I know there'll mm-hmm. be people that won't believe me saying this based on sure. a dream and scripture. You're right. I don't believe you at all. I don't believe your dream, and you certainly did not get this from scripture. You got it from your own vain imagination and from a theological cult. All right, dear ones, I hope that this video has been helpful for you. This is in and of itself enough to completely write off Morningstar Ministries, formerly headed by Rick Joyner, now by false prophet Chris Reed. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit 
be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.